1: This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com dot com slash 365 today to get 10% off your first month. That's better help dot com slash three sixty five. This
0: is three sixty five sports powered by Sikkim365.com. We're now joined by Fox Sports Great. Happy birthday, boy, with Tim Brando on. It's been too long. Tim joins us on 365 Sports with Paul Craig and I'm David Smoke. I know you're in full-throttle basketball mode, but what we haven't had you on in a while. What about all these lawsuits, the NCAA losing left and right, and are they even in anything anymore? I think it's just uh,
2: bearing out all the things, fellas, that uh, I've been saying all along. They're borderline extinct. I mean, we're talking about the NCAA not having any part of college football forever at the Division I level, probably within the next two years. And I would would submit to you that the NCAA as a body, complete body, all right, the only thing keeping the NCAA afloat is what? The Men's NCAA Basketball Championships, the greatest show on earth in amateur athletics, which starts in just a few weeks. The three greatest weeks of uh, of college athletics, in my view, the NCAA basketball terms. The only thing they've gotten right, you know, Dave Gabbett's son, Dan Gabbett, runs it, does a great job with it, has for quite some time, Uh, and it makes all the money that keeps uh, those smaller programs alive. And it makes all the money that keeps the bigger programs associated with the NCAA. There would be no reason whatsoever for any of the major conferences to be a part of the NCAA, if not for the men's NCAA basketball championship. It funds more than 80% of the non-revenue producing championships themselves. And um, make no doubt about it, even though the women's tournament has done well and just got a brand new contract, that new contract with ESPN the current contract with CBS and Warner Brothers that runs through 2032 could be challenged in a court of law, and that contract could be null and void if, in fact, those schools wanted to pull away and pull away completely from the NCAA. So that's what we're learning here. They have been a neo-colonial outfit. How many times have you heard me say this? Oh, yeah. They've been operating outside the Sherman Antitrust Act forever.
0: And they're not going to win
2: anything in court. What happened with Virginia, what happened with Tennessee is further proof. Further proof. So they are clinging precariously. And they've got uh, Charlie Baker saying, well, you know, I'm going to do this, and we're going to find a way to get Congress involved. Red Sankey and uh, Tony Petiti have already moved on. They have already moved on. Okay, they are making plans to make sure that they can come up with a fundamental approach to self-govern. And uh, I think those two entities are going to be the lead the lead dogs in this. And the other conferences, including the Big 12 with Brett Normark, he's a pretty smart man. I think he knows that uh, that's the future. And, and I, I'm pretty sure everybody knows now that's, that's the future. Um and I, and I think what I'm telling you about the basketball tournament uh, is something nobody's really talking about. But as these cases come through over and over and over again, uh, you're going to see that uh, the likeness of, of of that tournament itself and where those funds go, and whether that whether that contract is binding is going to be called in at some point in time, because uh, it's it's the only hook that those guys at, uh, in Indianapolis have. Is, is the men's NCA basketball championship It lines their pockets it's the only thing that does they have not been making money on football as you well know since the 1984 Supreme Court suit brought by Oklahoma and Georgia was won. Uh, back in those days the, the vote was three to two. Now it's nine nothing nine nothing on the abandoned case nine nothing again over uh, what was it two years ago We can't get we can't get uh, the Supreme Court to vote. Unanimously on anything, except on the fact that the NCAA is what they are, okay, inept, and and, and and in so many ways, they have been robbing intercollegiate athletics blind, so that's what I see, and that's what I think will happen
3: yeah no dissenting opinion is a pretty rare thing uh when you look at a a supreme yep. court trial Tim and let me be the last to wish you a happy forty fifth
2: birthday <laughs> uh, wow was the uh, technically i'd like to just call it the twenty ninth anniversary of my thirty
0: ninth yeah birthday. yeah there we go. go thats yeah, a, yeah
2: um but that, as they as they say when you get to this stage of life for me uh it, it's mind over matter. You know, if you don't mind the number, it really doesn't matter. So,
3: <laughs> Tim, Tim, do you see, like, the fear is is that the SEC and the Big Ten are going to leave everybody else in the dust.
2: That's and- not going to happen. Okay. No, they're not. I mean, those guys are too smart, but I think that they know, Greg Sankey and, and Tony Petiti both know, that it's really their – they've got to take the lead on this, okay, and if you look at the biographical data on both men, and listen, I've had uh, far more uh, critical comments about Greg Sankey, certainly, than I ever have about Tony Petiti. And full disclosure, yeah, I worked for him for nine years when he was executive producer at CBS Sports and, uh, and enjoyed that. And, um, and so I'm, I have a very, very close relationship with Tony. Uh, but Greg Sankey, I've also known for a long time, and I really respect him. Uh, I've known him since he was the compliance officer for the Southland conference. And before that, when he worked at Northwestern state in the same capacity in Natchitoches, Louisiana,
0: what he did for Mike's
2: live at a time when the Southeastern conference had just about every team over a period of about five years on probation of some kind was magnificent. They did a lot to clean up a lot of what was going on that was underhanded in the sec. So his background is is in enforcement, and it is in infractions, and he understands how to govern from that standpoint. Uh, he can take what was really good from the NCAA, all right, and there were good things about it, no question. Um, but but they were uh, they just were not able to keep up with the times. They were stuck in yesteryear. They failed to progress. Their leadership got caught in a web. Uh, that was sown by Walter Byers years ago. Uh, Tony Petiti comes from an area of television, production, and programming, and he knows how much money there is that's being left on the the table with college football and its future.
0: And he probably
2: also knows, moving ahead, uh, how much more money could be made on the NCAA tournament than is currently being made. So I think together uh, they can put together a a heck of a coalition. And I think that uh, the other commissioners understand that, Um, you know, I'm not behind closed doors, so I don't understand how much she's going back and forth uh, in the conversation. But I do know that uh, they are going to be, uh, because those two are finally talking. They weren't talking uh, when Kevin Warren was in charge of the Big Ten. I mean, they didn't take each other's calls back then. During covid they weren't taking calls. Now they are. So that's a start. And uh, I understand why some people want to feel left out or believe, well, you know what? We're tired of being told we're not as significant. And I'm sure there's a feeling of that from some fans in the Big 12 and, and maybe the American Conference and certainly uh, uh, other leagues around the country. The ACC certainly been diminished. They've got their own legal issues that they're having to litigate. But I think this is for the greater good of all Division One. And when I say all division one, I mean the conferences that are not considered power five or work that were never considered power five when we had five power conferences. Um,
0: So I think this is good
2: for the American good for the mountain West uh, good for the Mac. I really do. So uh, they'll, they'll have willing ears, but I do think you need those two to be the, 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 the lead dogs. I, I think they're the ones that, the, the strengths of one man are the weaknesses of the other and vice versa. I, I, I think that uh, they're both very bright, and I think that they've got the greater good of all of college football. Finally, okay, finally, we've got two commissioners of the premium conferences that are now thinking about more than just themselves. I feel confident in telling you that.
3: And, uh, and Tim, if not uh, them, then who? And if not now, then when? I mean, we've got to spin it on this hamster wheel if, if nobody exactly. steps up to the plate. <laughs>
0: That
2: is exactly the point. Yeah, it's time for action, okay? The time is now. And if you don't do it now, this is only going to get more out of hand, all right? Uh, Sankey understands that the situation with pay-for-play with, with, with NIL is, is problematic. How do we go about uh, setting up some guardrails and barriers uh you're not going to be able to do it for going to congress now i mean my god that's all charlie baker wants to talk about yeah. okay and i'm sorry I, I i respect you for being a republican governor in a blue state and whatever you were able to accomplish in massachusetts this is a different animal this this isn't that okay and uh you can't lean on them we're gonna have to have collective bargaining and we're going to have to come to grips with that. And, and fans that, that have take issue with that, trust me, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, we're moving into a new stratosphere, and the games are going to be better, and more teams are going to have access to the playoffs. And you know what? Players are going to be paid, whether you like it or not. And in your fantasy world, when you thought they were just playing for Old State U, they were getting the money anyway. It was just underhanded. You wanted to turn another cheek. You didn't want to think about it. You were hoping that all those reports weren't true. You were wrong. Okay? And now, all of that damn money that was putting a chunky cheese in the Clemson football facility and Niagara Falls and Nick Saban's in Alabama, some of that damn money needs to go to the players. So let's move on and be happy for them. And if the quarterback is getting seven figures and the linemen are only getting, a, you know, fifty dollars to 100000 for a semester, you know what? That quarterback's gonna take them, buy him some Apple watches. Might, might take them to lunch, may take them to dinner once a week. That's good. That's life. That's what happens. In the National Football League, you need to learn how to handle your money, and you need to understand that some guys are gonna get more money than you, and that's not always a bad thing. You get market value. And you learn about market value while you're in college. That, 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 aren't we supposed to be preparing them for life? That's that's life.
0: Yeah, supply and demand, right?
2: That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I get I, I get really angry when I when I see people in my profession. Okay, and I'm seeing it over and over again now, playing uh, identity uh, politics with their contracts when they come up. You know, I want to get paid. I want what I want. A lot of these guys are former NFL players. It felt like in their day they could do that. They could squawk about it, all right, and then then, then they could press the right buttons and get certain companies to pay them the money that they want. <laughs> and that's just, that is absurd to me. You've got an agent. Let him do your job. We don't need you talking about how you're pissed because Steve A. Smith is making more damn money than you. And I don't need to hear Stephen A. Smith telling me Pat McAfee is making more damn money than him. <laughs> Enough with that. Let's have some decorum, shall we? Okay? I'm happy for Jim Nance. I'm happy for Joe Buck. I love Mike Tirico. They're great guys. I don't care that they don't that they make more money than me. I've had a wonderful life. I enjoy what I have. And I'm thankful that I'm going to be at it for another three years. And if I want to do it after the uh, another three years are over... I hope to do it some more, if they'll have me. But I don't think America gives a rat's ass how much money these guys make, and yet they want to go on social media and put pressure on their guy. I mean, please. And players see this stuff, and it's garbage. That kind of influence is not the influence of great leadership. So we in the media have got to do a better job of that. Okay, players at, at, at the collegiate level have to understand that you're going to be protecting a guy that's worth a lot. Just like the players for the new England Patriots knew they were going to get rings and going to get a lot of money. If Tom Brady was successful. Okay. Tom Brady made 10 times the money. Some of those guys made, but were they happy to have that life, that run, whether it was for four years or six years or seven, I think they probably were. And you should too. Okay. That's called capitalism. (laughs) I mean, let's deal with this. Um, You know, we've already got, I think, a little bit of an image problem in the media that people think that we think our blank don't stink. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's not stink it up so much that we make it clear and obvious that we feel that way. And some of that's going on, and I think it's absurd.
3: Tim, uh, in the, the grand scheme of things, I mean, I've seen every scenario imaginable for the ACC at this point, and it's coming next week, and then it's coming five years from now. and You know how, like, all this, the rumor mill churns, but based on your contacts and just people that you talk to, just how would you describe sort of the, the opinions, that are, the temperature of the room that's out there right now about the ACC and the legal mess it's in and how that affects all of this uh, moving forward?
2: Well, I think I think the ACC is finding out now with what's going on with Tennessee what's going on with Virginia uh, and what may be going on with Florida State we will see on that still time must uh, time will take care of that to some extent
0: but Jim Phillips
2: um, he's he's got a lot of he's got a lot of house cleaning to do I mean a lot of house cleaning to do and uh, the phones has got the phones have got to be burning okay between um the ACC offices uh, and the overlords in Burbank uh, at the Disney Corporation, <laughs> they, they want some more money somehow, some way, and I don't know how you're going to be able to squeeze that out of Disney because, you know, the, the, the people that were in charge of the ACC before you felt it was more important to have a cable network when cable cord cutting was taking place than it was to get your money now for your product. They just wanted, by God, to have what the SEC had. We want us a network. We want us a, we want us a conference network. Okay. Uh, finally, ESPN said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and give you your conference network, but here's what we want in return.
0: You're going to take this amount of money and this amount of money
2: only, and we're going to get you uh, in our hip pocket until 2036. That's something Florida State and all of its other constituents in the, the ACC signed off on. Now, how the, the courts decide to rule on that um, that that's you know I have no idea which direction that'll go in. But I, you know, that, that, Disney doesn't need my uh, <laughs> they don't need my help and my support. But I would say that they've got a pretty good legal leg to stand on, wouldn't you?
0: Based on what they did
2: and what the, uh, the grant of rights was and what the ACC presidents all signed off on. Um, but I would say that the findings in these recent lawsuits with the NCAA and, and to see how uh, Virginia and, and Tennessee have been successful would make me believe, um, you know, you might, you might as well go for the gusto and see what you can pull off if you're the Atlantic Coast Conference to find a way and if you can't get it for your constituency, then I think the constituency is going to say, "The hell with you. We're going to take care of ourselves. So that's a problem for Jim Phillips, a big-time problem.
3: Do um... The other three conference commissioners, obviously, you know, Brett Yormark, much more aggressive. Um, Greg Sankey, you know, I mean, he's the the king Mm -hmm. of all of it. And and you said Tony Petiti now new in it. And a TV executive who knows that these things work. Jim Phillips is the last kind of old school guy when it Mm -hmm. comes to that. Um, If this does not, and it probably won't go the perfect way for the ACC when it comes to Florida State because they want to leave no matter what. If that happens – does Jim Phillips probably see his way out the door? And they try to, if they can retain their conference, get somebody who's maybe more aggressive. Because, Tim, you talked about it when FSU got left out of the playoff that Jim Phillips was asleep at the wheel while Greg Sankey was out politicking the entire time.
2: No, it didn't look good. It didn't look good for Jim. It really didn't. And um, this had been – they'd been leading up to this for quite some time. You know, I think Florida State was concerned. A lot of us were concerned about what might happen to them. Especially when you saw, and I was very critical of Greg when this happened. Not, not, not necessarily Greg Sankey; I thought he was doing his job. Okay, I was critical of ESPN for giving him such a bully pulpit. Uh, I thought that um, you know the way they handled that final weekend's game day, uh, giving him, giving Greg almost an hour uh, to 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 uh, not only uh, you know pound the pavement for Bama, but also for Georgia. Uh, and, and literally, the the guys on the set were just all no. There was no there was simply no dissent uh, on that game day set, and it was clear that uh, while the fans really didn't care, uh, they were directing all of their conversation to the committee. The committee was <laughs> was who he was pointing his his thoughts uh, to, and, and he was uh, successful. It worked, and that's the job of the commissioner. So I, I applaud Greg for what he did. But I think it sent a signal that um, Jim Phillips was asleep at the wheel here. He thought 13-0 and that Florida State was going to be fine. It had never happened before. Why do, we, why do we think it could happen again? Well, I can tell you why we think it can happen again. It's Alabama. It's the SEC. You can't have this uh, four-team uh, tournament without a Southeastern Conference team in it. That's basically what the committee uh, elected to do. Uh, and when, when everybody in there, and no one, no one that I've talked to, okay, has said to me anything other than, Brando, you were right. No one has shouted me down. When I said, and I stated it many times during that, that, that particular time, and I'll remind everyone, the only reason that Florida State was left out was because Georgia lost. If Georgia had won the game against Alabama and they didn't have the Alabama-Texas dilemma, okay, it would have been Georgia and then Florida State in the four-hole. No doubt about it. And then, you know, that, that's the way it was going to be. When you took Alabama instead of Georgia because the SEC champion was Alabama, no way in hell you could leave Texas out because of the head-to-head. Yep, We left Florida State out, period, end of story. No one disputes that. And I had sources within that room telling me that was, in fact, the case. No one would publicly state it because they they obviously never state publicly what the real truth is. That's been the problem with the committee since the beginning, the lack of transparency. Uh, that's got to change even when we go to 12 teams and, and 14 or 16. You know, And by the way, I was also the guy that said when we get the new deal, which will be in two years for the 26th season, they're going to go to 16. Yep. How quickly did you hear about 14? That's already out there, right? That's already been stated that it's under consideration. Well, trust me, if that's under consideration, 16 is going to be the final number, and that will be the new deal uh, when when that contract, this current contract comes to an end in two years.
0: Speaking of which, today, Craig just showed this to me. Ross Dellinger does a great job covering college football. A 14-team playoff model is already being socialized that would grant three AQs to the Big Ten and SEC, two each to the Big 12 and the ACC, one to a group of five, and then on top of that, there are still three at-large spots available, and we know where those will end up going, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good shot of it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and the point there being, where do you want to go? You want to go to the ones that are going to get you the biggest number, you know, the, the, the bigger drawing cards. So, yeah, we, we know where they're going to go. And I don't think it stops at 14. I, you know, Ross is a great reporter, did a hell of a job at Baton Rouge. He's done a great job uh, since going national. Um, 14 is there, and I think 16 is the landing spot. But uh, there's so much time between now and then, Smoke. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, baby, that worm is turning uh, every day. And uh, I noticed that when the announcement was made, that uh, our friends in Bristol had put together a package to control the entire thing uh, in the reports by, I think it was Nicole Arbach, maybe uh, Pete Bamel, too, uh, worked uh, in in concert on that story. Uh, They they talked about the potential of uh, sub-licensing the games to other networks. Okay. When you hear that, when fans hear that, they need to understand what sub-licensing means. All right. When Fox did its deal with the Big Ten, they basically did the deal, all right? So they were in charge of what? Sub-licensing to other networks that they wanted to do business with. Those networks turned out to be CBS and NBC, which meant Fox would do the, the Big Noon game, presumably the Big Noon, but they would always get the first pick. And the second and third pick would be shared between CBS and the 3.30 window and NBC in the primetime window. That is what we call sub-licensing, all right? So the money comes directly from those networks to the Big Ten conference, but the deal was 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 offered by Fox, okay?
0: It was a blueprint
2: of what the NFL had done, the way the NFL had done its, its job with all the different networks. Mm-hmm. That's what sub-licensing is, all right? The CFP is a different animal in the sense that if you're going to have, potentially, control of it all, but you look at it and you say, that, that money, all that money that they're going to pay, and it's a lot of money based on the reports that are out there, okay? If, if one network tries to take that on and you're trying to, the, the cost is somewhere in the area of, uh, you know, excess of $100 million a game, I, there's no way you can make money on that. So you have to sub-license it out, which means uh, in all likelihood, uh, if ESPN does get this deal approved and they finally get it done, and that's all up for you know conversation, still a lot of time between now and the time that that deal can be ratified based on the reporting of those people, uh, you could see as many as two or three different networks involved in the college football playoff. That's just sub-licensing as a way of, of, uh, uh, of uh, spreading the wealth but having one network in control, okay, of where the wealth is shared, okay. <laughs> so that that's uh, that's just the way uh, the uh, the game is played. That's the semantics, if you will, of of sub licensing. All right. The old days, the ACC used to have all control of of the ACC tournament and all of the regular season of college basketball in the ACC. All right. Raycom and Jefferson Pilot Sports actually did that. They would, sub-licensing meant they would take many of their games and sell those games to the networks, whether it was NBC or CBS, and they would purchase them for a price, which helped defray some of the cost for what the rights fees were that Raycom had paid. Years later, it flipped. ESPN got control of that, but uh, Raycom and the ACC held on to a certain amount of uh, the regular season two, including the tournament. So sub licensing is, is, is um, uh, the way it's stated. Uh, and I think a lot of times it confuses people, but what it means is, yeah, you're in control of it, but no, you're not going to carry all of it. Okay. Other, other networks are going to be involved in airing it. We'll see which, which direction and what networks get involved. But and again, that's just my view uh, 30,000 feet, but the inner workings of, Sports television, being what it is, that's that's what that means. Tim,
3: uh, there's also talk about the NCAA tournament expanding, and you just mentioned it's the greatest three weeks in college athletics. It's it's wonderful, it it's beautiful, it's 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 a symphony, and it's perfect. Uh, expanding it to me would be a terrible idea. We don't know how much they want to expand it, but uh, that would be maybe biting off more than they should
2: chew. I agree. In the current format. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, and this thing is not broken. Okay, it's uh, it's it's the best that it's ever been. Uh, I have been uh, adamant about the need for greater attention to the regular season in college basketball. I am constantly pounding the drum and the pavement about how little college, football, college basketball's regular season is covered. Uh, I still maintain that that's true. Uh, here I am with you, we're what, uh, inside three weeks away from Selection Sunday, and we're certainly not talking about college basketball. We're talking about football. We're talking about deals. We're talking about uh, the NCAA tournament and the potential of all that. We're not really talking about the game at all. Uh, College basketball, in terms of its um, importance to the networks, is clear. Every night we see it ad nauseum. It's a volume dealer. Okay, Uh, ESPN, ESPN2, Fox, FS1, games are on every night. Okay, but turn on those same networks during the day, nothing discussed, zero. A lot of NBA, a lot of Bronny, a lot of LeBron, a lot of Aaron Rodgers, a lot of uh, Tom Brady, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Steph Curry, a lot of uh, NBA. All-Star weekend, which was an absolute abomination. And I'm doing one versus four Marquette in Connecticut and nobody seems to give a damn on the same weekend. And we're talking in late February. One versus four. And by the way, it was the highest rated game of the day that day. It was a 28-point blowout. All right, The game was not competitive in the second half. UConn you you kind of played one of its best games. Of course, they went on the road later that week and and got hammered at Creighton. That's college basketball. That's how it works. But um, but we need to restore college basketball's regular season, not not deflate it even further. And by expanding the tournament, that's exactly what you're going to do. And the conference tournaments would be uh, null and void if you did that. Uh, why have them? Those automatic bids for the smaller conferences that, with the exception of the Ivy League, recently have all given the automatic bids to those those leagues, that's, that's the biggest thing for a college basketball junkie. You watch those games solely to see the experience for those Cinderella stories. You take that away. Championship mm-hmm. week was always, when I worked at ESPN, besides the first uh, two days of the NCAAs on that Thursday and Friday, I thought the most enjoyable weekend was championship week when you had all of these conference tournaments, you know, the MAC, the TAC, the WAC. ECAC, the knack, the neck, you know, mat, <laughs> knack, tack, neck, weight, you know, all that week. When you saw those teams playing for that one spot, that coveted one position to play in the NCAA tournament, man, oh man, that was just awesome.
0: We'd be ruining
2: that if we expanded it. So no, I'm not in favor of that at all.
0: Happy birthday, Tim Brando. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, hey, fellas.